Hey, it's a 30-second message from our sponsor, and it's me. The king's regiments were busy gathering their equipment into wagons to return to the capital when the lone rider galloped through the gates of Ettenfalls. He had found the dragon. It was flying circles around the west side of the mountains in Ilian Henny. Dakin immediately knew the beast was looking for the outpost. That must be where they are, he said. Commander Rovash is most likely there, too, and the dragon will undoubtedly be searching for him. Dakin quickly made up his mind. Go back to the fort and make ready in case we are alone in this, he told his men. Dakin turned and marched off to the meeting room where he knew the leaders of the siege were congratulating themselves. E.J. took Fiona by the hand and quickly led her out of earshot to the farthest room in the outpost in case the monster woke up. He also knew Fiona would probably be yelling during this next part of their conversation. The dragon is in a way also possessed. It is an animal born from its egg. It would fly away to its own kind if the cult had not drawn it here to us. The fallen one, Lord Sermanos, or what is left of him, has been joined with the beast, like the mushroom found feeding off the inside of a rotting tree. E.J. tried to grasp for better words. The fallen one is made aware of his godhood by the cultists, while still in dragon form. He is always struggling with the dragon's nature, Fiona had a blank look on her face, but she shook her head as if understanding, wondering where E.J. was going with all this. Sir Manos is a lord of Ilmatar. He is, or once was, like my lordly father, beautiful and with power and ability. Fiona listened patiently. By now he must desire to keep my brother's body completely for himself. He wishes to build a kingdom among men. As it is now, he can never be too far from his dragon. The dragon is tethered to whomever he has possessed, Fiona said as she nodded her head again in understanding. Yes, and you can observe how it vexes him when he loses control of his puppet body. It must tax his limited powers to be crossing between them. E.J. continued, realizing something new with that last part. This is why he needs the blood of his cultists to fuel his power. Fiona took a deep breath, hoping a bit of information she didn't already know would breach this conversation. In all these past months, E.J. continued, Lord Sermanos has been separated from his dragon body enough to know he can survive without it. The dragon must be a burden to him now. 
He must want to be rid of it. E.J. tried to clarify, but was only met with Fiona's puzzled expression. Too many words, he thought. I must get to the point. So E.J. blurted out, I plan to kill the dragon, and then I will let the fallen one possess me. Fiona, horror-stricken, stood paralyzed, unable to speak. He has already threatened to do so, E.J. tried to assure her, but her face was turning a bright color of pink. No, I will not let you. Not now, not ever. Fiona's hand subconsciously touched her belly as she fearfully locked into his eyes. There is another life to consider here, and Elgillian... You got all that wisdom from watching him. She pointed to the door back to the detainment room. For ten minutes? Have you gone mad? Fiona raved at Ejlem as she reeled around trying to breathe. She had a good argument, but EJ was focused on the task at hand and would not be dissuaded. Fiona, I must take him to the Lords of Ilmatar to stand for his crimes. E.J. gently pleaded at first. Why must you be Ilmatar's sacrifice? And how can you be doing anything if you let it possess you? Fiona railed at Ejlem. My escorting him back is the only way to rid this realm of the Fallen One permanently. Ro cannot do this. Only I have my father's light. I can hold him, E.J. argued. Fiona stopped fretting and became hysterically louder. No, you do not know if that will work. You may not be able to come back. Her face was wild with fear. Listen to me. E.J. cringed at the use of force in his own voice. They both stood stunned in silence. Closing his eyes, Ejlem breathed out to compose himself. After all King Elendil's guidance and training, he could not ignore the fact that the pieces before him lined up. Ejlem knew he didn't have a choice in this, and Fiona was not making his task any easier. E.J. gently held her slumping shoulders, speaking calmly and evenly. Fiona, this is not up for a war of words. I need you to be strong for me. For us, my love. You are my beacon, my anchor. Always remember that, he said, and then added, This may be our one chance to bring this monster to justice and maybe even save my brother. Welcome, friends. We are on the last episodes of Tales of Eldalorn. I am your author, narrator, Carly Bon. So please put your trays in the upright position and fasten your seatbelts as we're coming in for a landing. Today I'm reading for you Chapter 49, Force of One. They are in grave danger, Dawkeen slammed his hand down in front of the king's general. We are talking about friends of the royal court. Dawkeen of House Society, one of the ranger elites who fought this same evil in the Third Age, tried to reason with the young general sitting at his banquet table. He tried to persuade him to send the king's men to help his recruits fight the dragon. 
No one in the room could fathom what kind of peril they still faced with Sermanos alive and still loose in the kingdom. Commander Darkasiety, have we not sustained enough injury against our fallen enemy? Is it so hard to retrieve three elves from Ilian Henny? The general chuckled out loud. The other captains and their aides joined in the laughter and murmured among themselves as they drank from their goblets and eyed the frustrated Dakin. None of them were of the age to understand what he was even trying to tell them. The general, wanting to get back to his victory party, was not convinced that there was any more danger. They had not seen any sign of an alleged dragon lord who could command anything. To them, this whole problem was a cult of devious men posing as priests in a fanatical religion that has failed at the tips of their sharp swords. Their pet dragon is simply flying back home from its captivity here, and I suggest you get back to your post as well. Dakin was rudely dismissed. The general stubbornly scowled at him, not wanting to be bothered any longer. The next morning, the king's army marched away to go back to home and family. Lord Sermanos waited for his dragon. He muttered to himself, laughing sometimes in madness. He nodded off in a death-like sleep from the stress on Robosh's body. Fiona hesitated in her task. He was awake again. She could hear him singing her name this time. It was just a trap to get her to investigate. Fiona didn't dare go near him, knowing the dragon could so easily ensnare her mind. That is why we dull our blades, Fiona sighed. The idea was that a dull blade, if used correctly, could slow one of them down long enough so that they could avoid killing each other if something went horribly wrong. Ironically, Rovash had taught them this sword technique. He had spent much of his life trying not to injure misguided, rankled humans. In such encounters, he would flip his sword around and use the thicker back edge of the blade to subdue them. There will be so little time when the dragon finds us, Fiona moaned to herself. What? E.J. asked from across the room. Fiona turned her head sideways and looked at him. He was rubbing oil into his leathers, his naked shoulders glistening with sweat. Fiona just faintly smiled and he knowingly grimaced back. So what if this plan does not succeed and you try to end me as well, Fiona mumbled, trying not to go into shock again. He will be weak, Fiona. Besides, he needs you alive. EJ took another breath, not wanting to explain this one more time. Fiona bent over her task of cleaning armor, blunting blades and grumbling at EJ in frustration. There is not enough blood here, Fiona. Not as in the cave of the cult. E.J. shook his head, hoping he was right about that last part, because the alternative might get complicated. You are going to do this then, Fiona asked, knowing the look of his resolve, but saying it again anyway. 
He didn't answer as she sadly gazed at him. Then you know I will do all I can to be by your side. She tried to sound supportive as she ground a piece of rough stone across another blade. EJ tried to soothe her fears by answering all her questions. He told her many more details of his plan and then discussed alternative ideas in case the worst happened. What EJ could not bring himself to say to her was that because they were heart-bonded, she was going to die in this realm when he ascended into Ilmatar. Ejlam busied himself stitching a loose seam in an arm brace. He tried not to look discouraged in front of Fiona, knowing the pain she was going to have to endure. The thought that his brother may not be able to help when the moment presented itself was another fear. He had to hold himself together, trust in his instincts and training. This may very well end up the death of us all, E.J. mumbled his teacher's wisdom, recalling the conversation with Elendwell. What? Fiona asked. He just looked up at her and didn't answer. No, I heard you. What did you say? She sadly stared at him, trying to make him repeat the words. E.J. just stared back as he broke the thread with his teeth and tied it off. I thought so, Fiona shook her head. I knew this was a dire plan from the beginning. She sighed and went back to blunting her daggers. She had just finished Rovash's sword. If our Rovash lives through this, he is not going to be joyed at what I have been forced to do to his father's lovely blade, Fiona complained. Then she spoke louder, making sure EJ could hear her clearly. Should he ever use it against us, we have a slim to no chance to survive his attack. Hmm, beheading by dull sword or stabbed by blunt daggers. My future choices are bright indeed. EJ tried humor, but was met with a scowl from Fiona. You are welcome to stab me all you want, Fiona, and I will still love you. He blinked his eyes, sighing loudly. His comment was met with more scowls. Well, we cannot count on anything. I hope it would soon be over, she frowned, shaking her head in doubt. My love, you have suffered my blood and spew. I have confidence you will do as you must, E.J. said playfully. Believe me when I say I am not looking forward to being hacked with dull knives. Let us hope it does not come to that, E.J. cringed, just thinking about it, and the conversation was over. His sorry attempt at humor went unappreciated. He encouraged Fiona with a sweet smile, trying to give her hope for a positive end to this. Dakin silently entered the outpost and saw a battered and unconscious Rovash hanging against the detainment wall. He knew the Edel were all family to each other and could not imagine them causing this kind of harm, but the man in custody looked tortured half to death. Hail, Dakin called up the steps, not knowing for certain if the elves might attack. Fiona came running down the stairs and slammed into the front of Dakin, bursting into uncontrolled tears. I am so happy to see you, she blubbered, clinging to his chest. 
Joaquin stood surprised with his arms wide, wondering if he should hug her. He patted her lightly on the back, trying to console her. What brings this, he asked, looking puzzled at Rovage. Ejlem appeared in the doorway and solemnly motioned for them to come in and not wake the prisoner. Fiona tugged the ranger by his arm up the few steps into the next room. I am glad to see you here, Dakin, E.J. said, shaking the ranger's hand in a human greeting. We thought we were going to be alone in what we must do. Dakin listened intently. He thought Ejlem's plan had some good strategy under the circumstances. Dakin had some ideas of his own that helped Fiona feel more confident in their future outcome. After a short rest, Dakin started back towards Velivar to prepare the men. When the time was right, Ejlem set to the task of interrogating the monster that had invaded his brother. Know this, E.J. took a deep breath. I will end your dragon and banish you to oblivion. Ejlem stalked around the detainment room, feigning anger. It didn't take much effort to do so with the Dragonlord glaring back at him. I will have my brother returned, E.J. demanded. I would see you suffer in my own hands, the Dragonlord said ominously as I eat the flesh off your bones. He followed EJ's annoying pacing back and forth through deadly glaring eyes. You will die screaming piteously. Sermanos delighted at the idea, but then another thought came to him. If this fool manages to kill my dragon, I will be freed of the cumbersome dragon laws and the useless dragon kin. I might even make this battle simple for the vexatious elf. Tell me your dragon's weakness and I will make yours a quick and easy death. Ejlem slung another threat. The skin on his neck prickled at the sight of the monster suddenly smiling confidently back at him. Maybe I will keep you alive long enough to witness me breed your she-elf. Sermanos taunted viciously. She will beg me to fill her. She has suffered your kind long enough, he said, tilting his head back defiantly. Ejlem's eyes narrowed and he punched his brother full force in the mouth before it could speak another word. The monster hung for a dazed moment in silence. Ejlem stood stiffly, shaking out his hurting hands. His eyes betrayed true anger and the shock of his actions. The sound of a deep, sardonic laughter rose up into the room. The dragon lord's tongue slowly licked the taste of new blood staining into its teeth, dripping over its lip. She is your weakness. She will be the final death of you. It hissed triumphantly, splattering red droplets into Ejlem's face through his brother's wide, bloody smile. EJ quickly turned away from its howling laughter, stalking out of the room. He needed his brother alive.
I hope you have enjoyed our time together, and if you were a first-time listener, I strongly suggest going back to the beginning, because you don't want to miss a thing. Season 1 is all about their history and learning about the characters. The second season is the characters learning about each other. And the third season is the conflict and the resolution of everyone's lives. And in listening, you probably got a sense that some of them are elves and some of them are not. Who is who and what kind of influence do they have upon each other? That's the real question in this trilogy. Time for binge listening and tell your friends. And I'll get back to you next time with book two. Another thing you could do is leave me a five-star rating and buy the book. It's on Amazon.com. This is Carly Bond, signing out.